Welcome to the Accessible South Africa Travel Podcast. This is a podcast where we discuss travel in South Africa and beyond for persons with disabilities and special needs with our host, Lois Strachan. Join us as we share inspiring stories of people who travel, exciting, accessible travel experiences, and showcase service providers who will accommodate those with special needs. And now, on with the show. everyone and welcome to today's episode of the Accessible South Africa Travel Podcast. I'm your host, Lois Strachan. Today we're going to be talking to some of the team at the company Edit Microsystems about the role that assistive technology plays in accessible travel. And we also dig into some other topics like the business case for making accessible travel part of the hospitality industry. Then we're traveling all the way to the garden route to George to find out a little bit more about the Otaniqua Wheelchair Challenge. But before we go there, let's chat to Harat, Dillian and Zoe from Edit Microsystems. Any traveler with a disability knows that assistive technology can help significantly in the planning and implementation of travel. Today, we're talking to people from Edit Microsystems, a company in Southern Africa that provides assistive technology across the spectrum of disabilities. Welcome, guys. Why don't you introduce yourselves and tell us who you are? Thank you. Um, So, we are at Microsystems. Um, myself, I'm Zoe Michaelidis. I'm an occupational therapist. Uh, my previous background was in neurorehabilitation, and I've been working at Edit for probably too long now. It's probably been about a year and a half. Um, I walked into the company and discovered that assistive technology was an entire field on its own, mm. and so I promptly asked for a job. Um, and that's, that's sort of what brings me here. Um, so I, I tend to act as a assistive tech advisor um, with a particular passion and interest in motor impairments. And yeah. yeah, that's me. And um, hello, Lewis. My name is Stolian Swart. Um, I've been with Edit Microsystems now for just over six months. So I'm the baby in the company. Um, I'm responsible for public relations and marketing. And my background is a fundraiser in the disability sector. So I was introduced to edit about seven years ago. And now I'll be able to potentially help so many more people um, through the devices that I'm introduced to on a daily basis, um, of which we've got almost over a thousand different devices and hardware and software as solutions. Yes. So that's me. Great. Uh, good morning. I'm Gerard Erasmus and also work for Edit Microsystems. Um, and uh, yes, I deal with blindness and low vision access to technology um, at Edit Microsystems. I've been around for it's seven years this year. Uh, the company's sure. been around for 28 years, so um, quarter, of a quarter of the way. Um, blind from birth. 
and went through the through the mill, as I'd like to call it, went to Prince of School for the Blind uh, and then Pioneer School, and then did a bit of mainstreaming for the last three years. And that's where I got to grips with assistive technology um, in the old, old, old days, the previous century, in fact. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it was already around uh, back then. And yeah, did some, some tertiary things, some computer courses afterwards, um, worked in a call center. And and then from then on, really just fell into it because I knew, you know, from experience. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I've been doing it for, I suppose, about 15 years now, um, seven at edit, edit Microsystems. So, yeah, that's sort of in a nutshell, I think. Great. Well, thank you. And it's great to have all of you with us on the podcast. And I look forward to digging into the, the concept of the help that assistive technology can provide to travelers and a little more about some of the specific work that we're going to be doing together in collaboration with you. But maybe for, for those who don't know your company, can you give us a little bit of the background of Edit Microsystems and maybe the story of how you got into assistive technology as a company? Sure. So I think, um, well, what, and, and Herod can back me here because obviously he's had years' experience. Mm-hmm. But um, what, I, what I always um, like to explain is, is that Edit, and, and just correct me if I'm wrong, Edit Microsystems um, started off 28 years ago, as we said, and it started initially with providing a lot of computers um, yeah. to mainstream schools as computers with a new, you know, the new piece of technology, and that was, that was for all schools. Um, Slowly, as technology has changed, projectors, interactive projectors started coming in. Some people might know smart boards and that sort of a thing. But alongside that, as inclusive education started to become more and more prominent, so the assistive technology started to suddenly develop as its own sort of field or area that was as necessary as the computers and projectors that were that were delivering the educational content, um, and so as that progressed and and the devices started to diversify more and more, and, and they really have diversified. So the company, I think, expanded um, into a lot more staff as well, with various specialisations to accommodate that um, that field and to advise on that. So I think that's my understanding. Kerat, what yeah. would you? How would you describe? I would I would agree with that, and then of course um, the country has changed um, in terms of of, uh, of policy and of the way we think about disability and integrating people into society and into schools. Our, you know, primary focus being education, um, and of course mainstream being a possibility now. Uh, that is uh, something that that you know we need to look at as suppliers, and and we took up the challenge. Um, Peter Labuskachny, our managing director, is also personally particularly passionate about uh, disability and getting people to reach their potential and they do have uh, disability in their family his father um, was became severely disabled later in life um, so that is you know it's, it's close to home so it's about doing the right thing um, uh, getting people helped getting people assisted and then of course then the, the personal thing that this it's, it's close to home Mm-hmm. And ultimately, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to get people educated. Our little company is a, it's a factory of taxpayers. We want people employed so they can pay tax. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
is what LinkedIn is. <laughs> I think on a on a practical, it's not a practical front. I mean, what what the company essentially, um, you know, does as as a, as a simple service is we provide assistive technology, um, but with that sort of the surrounding services that come with um, the very definition of assistive technology by who, which is the maintenance um, and support services, because we all know computers and cell phones and every type of technology that we use, they don't always work like we want them to work. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they do break down. And so it's about the maintenance and support. Um, it's about the training. Yeah. Um, most especially, it's about um, collaborating with all stakeholders, um, whether that's employees, whether it's um, friends, carers, the users themselves on what is appropriate devices for the specific environment. Um, so we'll usually refer to that as an assessment or a trial period. Um, and then um, in addition, when it is project-based, we'll sometimes venture out um, and, and look for corporate um, Corporate support in the lines of fundraising. Everybody's looking at me. I'm looking at that. <laughs> so, so that's a separate aspect of the company, but is still something that actually lands up um, coming up quite a little bit as well. So it's it's all angles and aspects of the provision of assistive technology um, in in an essence. Great, and I think it was Delian who said that you have a product line of almost a thousand different devices and products. What are the disabilities that those products cover? Sure. So I like to everything and anything, but but when you say that, um, I think we have to be mindful of, of when we say disabilities. So what I've I've started saying because if you if you say disability. You can't really encompass every single one if if we go with the medical model of sure. blind um, neurological impairment, um, visual impairment. It sort of tends to limit in terms of what the devices can do, but also what what the users look like. Um, and so, I would rather say it's for the devices supply or or assist persons with all different abilities because that allows the range to be far greater. It's whether you've got a slight reading impairment um, to whether you're born blind with absolutely no um, visual senses, whether you've got a partial hearing impairment or are completely deaf, whether you have perhaps an attention deficit of some type, um, or you need just a little bit more support while using the computer in terms of literacy. Um, I think it's important to note, um, Lois, that a lot of people don't see themselves as having a disability. So let's say if we refer to somebody with dyslexia, I would say because we can address dyslexia as well and offer um, software and hardware support to, to help them um, function a little easier within the working environment or the school setup or at home. So I, I think in general, if if we could make a statement saying that it could be a special need, it could be an impairment or a disability, and we just might find something that can, can help improve um, or assist in that specific 
field of um, need, mm. so to say. It's, yeah. it's for all abilities, essentially. And whether you prefer using your finger to type, whether you prefer using uh, your elbow, uh, particularly when we come to persons with uh, cerebral palsy or spinal cord injuries, that kind of a thing, it's whatever your preferred ability is. So I'll say across the range. Yeah. Great. Well, I think that kind of took us into a slightly different direction from where I envisioned it heading. But, <laughs> but that's all part of what we're here to discuss today. Can we shift the focus slightly now and look at how you feel that assistive technology can be of help to travelers with different needs? I think that would be appropriate, and I would like to put Harad on the spot um, as as a colleague, but also as somebody who makes use of not only assistive devices that necessarily sold by Ed, but what is available on on his smartphone, um, because Harad travels a lot for business use and also a little bit for pleasure. So I think he would be perfect to do the introduction on how assistive technology um, can assist and be of help. Huh. Great. Sure. Well, uh, the assistive technology, I don't know if you want to call the wheel this technology. So <laughs> the first thing I would I would say is the, the white cane to make sure that you don't knock over old ladies. Um, uh, that, that is important or step down a manhole. That's the simplest thing that we do is the, is, is the white cane. But of course, as we said, technology as we understand it today, is your is your smartphone and things like that. And there's, there's various ways of uh, of using something like a smartphone, looking up um, a destination on Google Maps and and the like, and finding finding the best place to stay. And in terms of your your current location, looking it up in Google, smartphone is very powerful. It really allows you to 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 take things further and to become more independent. But there are there are things that one still has to look at. Um, we're, we're not there yet in terms of a, you know, just for, as a blind person, really. We're not there yet. I certainly wouldn't go shopping in the mall on my own where GPSs don't work. Um, that's sort of the, the thing that I think that's the next frontier, as it were, indoor indoor navigation. Or oh, with beacon technologies, yeah. Beacon technologies or many, you know, that's going to be that's going to be the, the ultimate the ultimate. Uh, I think that will solve solve a lot of problems for us. Uh, being able to to you know navigate independently indoors, getting getting around outdoors that that is that is doable. That it, you know there's, there's technology out there for it. There's specific assistive technology that one can look at, or you know designed for the blind as it were or designed for people with with other disabilities um i think of something like our victor reader trick um which is a dedicated gps system uh for people who are blind you know dedicated for use with a guide dog or with a white cane um very much a pedestrian oriented machine um yeah that's just some of the things we use here so what I'm hearing then, Kharat, is that assistive technology helps to fill in the gaps yeah. for, for those of us when we're traveling, when we're outside of our familiar environment, mm. and just gives us access to the information that we need to help us travel and live as anybody else does. Yeah. I think it's, and it's exactly that, Lewis. It, it really is about 
everybody being able to still enjoy the same the same rights, you know, um, and and whether that's for we travel for different reasons. We travel for work. We travel for pleasure, um, and and we're also part of family units, you know. And I think people forget that sometimes is if there's one person in a in a family unit that has a different ability, is that person able to go everywhere that the family is going? Um, are they able to do it by themselves? Are they able to? It, are they accommodated for? Um, are they impairing the family? Yeah, I think yeah, and I think that that's where where assistive tech can come in um, to facilitate that, and 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 as you said, close the gap um, and allow everybody access to the same yeah the same rights in terms of travel and leisure. Great. So, why then do you feel that the tourism and the hospitality industries should accommodate the needs? of those of us who whose needs are different. Um, Liz, if you have the privilege um, of having sight and you live in Cape Town, you are blessed because we live in such a beautiful area of South Africa. But I think every area is, is beautiful in its own and it should be enjoyed by everybody. Uh, if you look at the um, statistics from Census 2011, um, 2.9 million people indicated that they live with disabilities. Yeah. And um, if you break that down, about 50% of those people are between the ages of 20 and 65. So we want to make life accessible. Um, your 20 to 65-year-olds are the people that are, you know, hopefully outside of of their home environment because they are studying or going for skills development training and entering Working. into the workplace. Mm. And for that, you need to travel. And, and with that comes uh, an income. And with that, it enables you to enjoy life. And why should you as a person with a different ability not have the same experience um, in travel, tourism and leisure activities as anybody else? Can you afford to ignore 2.9 million people? <laughs> well, so you're you're bringing the, the the business case in, and I think that's a that's a huge one, because ultimately, we live in a an a, a world that is run on profit. So if we can make a business case for why companies should make themselves more accessible, and certainly in the travel industry specifically in this case. It is. It comes down to their bottom line. It comes down to their profits. Mm-hmm. It but comes down to their markets. If, if you if you go back to what Zoe just said, you know, we're looking at the individuals. But that individual is part of a group of friends or part of a family. So if you're not accessible for that individual, the group might not mm-hmm. visit your establishment because it is, mm-hmm. you know, not accommodating for a family member or a group mm-hmm. member. Definitely. So it's not just about the individual. You know, you, in effect, not say no for that one person's income. You say no for everybody that is involved in that social circle, um, you know, which could be quite quite a significant amount of money that you say no to because, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. that one individual is is 
doesn't feel comfortable or is not accommodated or it's not accessible within, um, you know, whether it's a venue or an accommodation establishment. So I think we have to. If you're, yeah. if you're 500 rand a night, um, B&B is not accessible um, and you turn down eight times 500 rand a night, they would go to the 1,000 rand one a night because mm. it's accessible. Mm. You've yes. lost four grand. I'll take your word on the maths. <laughs> <laughs> I think okay. yeah, I would say that and, and, and not just that, but you know, nowadays and and um I'm speaking, I'm gonna claim age here and say that I, I come from a bit more of a, a millennial sort of background. It's really cool to be green, it's really cool to be inclusive. It's you know, in in the generation I'm coming from, we celebrate that. And that's your that's your upcoming market. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's important that that the industry bears that in mind when they start designing, you know, and planning um, to look at who their market is and what their market likes. Um, not really from a professional background, but more just, <laughs> just an age, age background there. <laughs> well, I, I think it does feed into the conversation because we are – in a world that is seeing a trend towards concepts like um, conservation, greenness, universal access, universal design. And it is interesting to see that customers, potential clients are making choices dependent on a lot more of those types of aspects as well. And that leads, I think, into, into another aspect that of the fact that people are living longer. Mm, yes. And I think from that side of the market, there is also, particularly in the tourism and hospitality industries, we have more people who are living longer into the later years who don't have to be going through to work. So they have the leisure to travel. Mm, so sure. making a business accessible to their needs as well is again a great market decision. So I'm, I'm, I'm not taking your feeling on that. Mm. Oops. Yeah, I think if you go go back to the to the business model, to the we want to make profit, um, with more and more companies being encouraged to address the employment equity, um, companies and businesses are employing people with disabilities. Mm. Uh, you go for team building sessions, you go for conferences. So it might be, you know, to your advantage as a service provider in the tourism travel industry to make sure that you can accommodate everybody with all abilities to ensure that a booking for a team building, for example, um, that you can accommodate them in your restaurant, in your hotel, um, in your conference facility. Otherwise, they might have to venture to a competitor um, who prefers that everybody, you know, is accommodated in one space. So that's an, a, a different concept. I think um, businesses can open and um, expand the clientele. You know, I think you're so right there. Um, that, I mean, and, and then I want to, I want to draw as well back on Lewis's before I, think I before I lose my train of thought as well. <laughs> but um, Kerat, I would say 
it, it's a sort of 50-50 split when people come for low vision assistive devices in terms of age category. Mm-hmm. Sort of a lot of our, 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 our persons who are coming for assistive devices for low vision, some of them are young because they've been born maybe with some type of a um, visual impairment. But then the other, I would say, I don't want to you know, say stats, but mm-hmm. a large portion are persons who are now starting to develop visual impairments mm-hmm. or hearing impairments. Um, and if we think about it, even motor impairments start to occur as we get older. Because of age, yeah. yes. So I would say 100% worse on that as well. Age is a big thing because they've, they've finished work. They've already accrued most of what, they, what, they, uh, what they're going to earn. Um, and if you want to be cynical about it, there's a lot of wealth. There's a lot of wealth there um, in terms of, of, of older people. They, they have their... That they, in America, with the 401k or whatever you call it, unit trusts and pension funds and whatnot. So, uh, so people need to think about that if they if they're going to uh, if they're going to be in the travel industry. Older people with leisure, they they not just want to be there; they could be there just merely because of financial financial systems. You're, you're turning away from a lot of money, even if you just consider the age-related disabilities. Yeah, yeah, I think it's very true. So, what then? What advice? would you give for someone in the hospitality or tourism industry if they wanted to make their service more accommodating? Where should they start? Yeah, Lois, that's that's such a wide open field to, to answer on because, um, you know, the disability field is so vast. You can't have a, a one-size-fits-all solution so you know I think you need to to look at the what services you offer and how you can and who you want to accommodate and start with that I think something something small maybe you know it doesn't need to to cost you millions but just start somewhere I think um you know one option would be to look at um if there are any local um, NGOs, local NGOs that support or, or offer services um, for disabilities that might be able to facilitate and, and offer advice. Alternatively, um, I have a lot of people contacting um, at Microsystems um, with questions that are quite quite wide and various. And either we sometimes will provide um, assessments, will will provide some solutions, but other times, if it's not specifically within our field, we'll refer on because what is nice is, is that we sit with a lot of networks because the company has been running for so long. So um, usually if we don't have the exact answer, then we'll just pass it on to um, an organization or an NGO or a company that we know has got um, more experience in that field, depending on what it is. I think it's important for for the service providers in the tourism, travel and leisure industry to to start a conversation. Maybe, you know, contact us and say, okay, how and where should we start? It could be as simple as making sure that your website is accessible, accessible for somebody who's blind to still have access to your information. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it could be a question of how do you communicate with a client, a customer, a visitor, a tourist, that come to your reception area and that 
is deaf and is traveling without a sign language interpreter? How can you make that experience for everybody um, more comfortable? Um, so I, I think it's starting with questions and then going to find a solution. Mm -hmm. um, and then yeah, to make contact with people who could advise and, and, and give direction with regards to that. Herat, any thoughts from you on this one? Well, something something simple like um, like uh, Braille. You know, there's a manner of things you can do. But Braille Braille menus in a restaurant that is very very simple to do. Um, if you if you don't go into uh, you know the, the the Braille printers are coming down in cost. There are services to do that. NGOs will do the Braille printing for you. That's a very very simple thing to do. Um, accessible website. If you if you do your um, your due diligence, um, there's lots of resources on the internet um, on how to make an accessible website. Um, getting your things electronic, uh, that's quite simple. You can go into all manner of things, you know, tactile walkways, uh, um, you know, tactile guides in the in the in, in your passages and corridors and things like that. That's also also very possible. You know, even as and and Herat, correct me here, but. Um, because I, I always thought originally that printing out Braille might be either if the service is difficult to to come by. We went to a conference recently and they handed us a, um, a flash stick and everything was electronic. Um, and it's not a, a foolproof solution, I don't think. But the idea is, is that the minute something's electronic, your person who is um, utilizing your service, most of the time these people are educated. You know, they, if, they, if, they, if they're paying money for a restaurant or for a hospital, chances are they have gone through um, education, they've been exposed to some level of technology, and they, they have some, some degree of devices that will be able to convert the information. Um, so they handed out a flash stick and they gave that, I think, was it? It was um, Eastern, Cape. Eastern Cape, yes. No, they handed right. you a, a flash stick um, because they handed all of us these big, catalogs, uh, printed pages, and then anybody who was blind, they'd given flash sticks so that they could um, read the documents on their computers because they assumed that most of them had um, screen readers. What do you think, I think that? Is that a, I mean... I think one of the things that is so exciting is that there are so many different options when it mm. comes to solutions these days. And sure, you may find that we have different preferences as individual people with disabilities, mm. but you know, there are so many options. And I think that both simplifies the question or it simplifies implementing solutions while still adding the complexity of where do I start? Mm. So I think you know, there's been some great thoughts and ideas just in the conversation that you've offered already about to someone saying, I want to, but I don't know how. And I think increasingly from what I'm hearing big first step first is having the will to do it I think that's important to have the will to do it and to follow it through and then secondly to reach out to people with knowledge to to help you guide you through the process I think it's also important Liz, people should not be afraid to ask um, and to not necessarily see themselves as experts. If, if you're in the hospitality trade, you know, your, your field of expertise is in that trade. So don't be afraid to say, what can I do and how do I go about accommodating 
um, and making the experience of our visitors or even our staff members um, more pleasant for somebody who's differently abled. And I, and I think that is important. So don't be afraid to start the conversation of how you can improve your service delivery. Great. I want to move on now to the, the very close specific concept of the collaboration that at the Accessible South Africa platform and Edit Microsystems are looking at for the future. And that is a segment on this podcast called the Travel Tech Corner. Who's going to tell us a little bit about what our listeners can expect in that? Well, I think we're all very excited about this. Um, everybody is smiling on 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 this side. Um, now, as I think it, I think it's a learning curve for for Edit Micro in the sense of what is suitable for you know which sector within the travel and leisure industry. And once again, understanding that it's not a one size fits all. What might work for one hotel is not necessarily going to work for another hotel. Um, but the whole idea of this segment is to identify and talk about only one device um, and introducing people to the device and its potential use um, and how it could offer a solution to a question. Um, and I think making that potentially an interactive experience with your audience and service providers is willing to give this device a go for a small period of time. So what we'd actually, we, we came up with an idea that won't work for every device, but we're hoping it'll work for a couple of them where after we discuss the device um, during the segment, uh, we will then inform listeners where we're going to um, trial this device out. So we'll leave it at either a hotel or a restaurant or some type of establishment um, for a given period of time um, and essentially allow people to go up and try out the device. And And I think I'm quite, what I'm quite excited about during this trial period is to see what are the challenges and what are the, you know, what are the benefits and the challenges to this because we all know that things don't happen in isolation. So sometimes people don't know, I mean, there's a common story about people don't always know where the Braille, there is a Braille menu, but nobody knows where it is. Um, so, so the same thing, you know, to see if we, if we put a device somewhere, what, what happens? Are people able to use it? And I was even thinking we could do something of sending, just like you get a secret shopper, yes. you know, a, a, a secret <laughs> Lewis. <laughs> you, know, you know, to go up and, 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 and see, were they able to utilize the device? Were the staff mm -hmm. members able to engage or was it, were they too, too afraid to? What, what are the challenges that, that, that we're looking at? And, and if it does work, what was the benefit? You yes. know, what was the experience like? So I'm quite excited to see if we can get that going with one or two of the devices yes. that we speak about. And then the following podcast, we'll, we'll discuss that. Um, and listeners will be able to obviously provide um, their own feedback as well. But I don't think not, not only for um, individuals um, and clients to go and, and experience it, but also for the service provider and, and the staff to say, you know, did it work for them? Did it address one of the questions they had to be more accessible? Um, and to, to brainstorm to see, you know, is this the best device for 
a specific need um, to address accessibility or do we need to find something else? And, and I think that could be very interesting, you know, to get the feedback and, and the listeners' input um, and open that discussion to see what, what else can we, can we do. I think if we open that discussion up, we might find that we are bringing life experiences, new life experiences, to a lot more people. And more than that, in fact, we're providing valuable input to the, the, the developers of the devices. Mm, mm. So it can work both ways. Exactly. No, exactly. Great. So do we know yet what our first device is going to be, or is that going to be a secret until next time? We had a little bit of a discussion, seeing as, well, no pun intended here, um, Edit Microsystems um, employ I think four or five people with low vision or blindness. So we six. always six. six. Sorry, six. thanks, Hart. Yep. So we tend to to go with a field that we have personal and practical experience. So for a little bit of a challenge, we would like to introduce a potential solution for the deaf community. So what? Okay. Um, also, in light of the fact that um, I'm sure most people are aware that um, we're now introducing a 12th official language, which is South African Sign Language, um, and um, I, I mean, I, I sit with the difficulty that I, I only speak very, very, very basic Xhosa, um, Afrikaans and English. That's only three of, it was 11, and now it's going to be 12. I think the potential that I, again, am not able to communicate with another population. So um, we wanted to introduce a device that might help um, my situation and I think a lot of people's situations that might, yeah. I think it is important to understand that the device that we are referring to, it's called the Ubidio. Um, and this device will enable people who don't know sign language to communicate with people who are deaf. So you open a new experience where you can have a private conversation even though you don't know the preferred language of somebody else. Maybe the listeners could go and do some homework for the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think that maybe we should leave it with this as a teaser. Yeah. And then we've now got people intrigued and curious about what we're going to do, how we're going to do it, and how we're going to gather the feedback and, and the input that we're getting. So I think we should leave it at that point and make everybody going, ah, oh, but we want to know more. So the, you can find out more by listening next time. Okay, so we've spoken about a whole lot of different issues around assistive technology in general, around assistive technology in travel. We're now, we've spoken about the, the Travel Tech Corner, which we're going to be introducing, which I'm really excited about as well. But I'd like to kind of shift out now towards where and how can people find Edit Microsystems? 
how can they contact you if they have questions about assistive technology or about any specific devices? All right. Well, they can travel to us. <laughs> okay. Well, where where are you situated then? I know you have offices in in Johannesburg. I think in Pumalanga, Durban, and right. Cape Town. Yeah, head office. The mothership is in Cape Town. Uh, that is in Seapoint, and it is in a shopping centre. And it's very convenient because the My City bus stops in front of the door. Uh, so yeah, please please come and visit us. It's um, in the Checkers Building, seventy six Regent Road, Seapoint. You can also reach us telephonically, um, plus twenty seven for the country code for the foreign listeners, and then twenty one four double three. 2520 and email it's info at editsmicro.co.za that's ed for education it for information technology and then micro micro.co.za you know of course facebook and twitter i'm sorry (laughs) we are on facebook and twitter as well don't forget the social media (laughs) instagram as well oh gosh Obviously, we have a we have a, a, a website as well. So oh. we everywhere. Yes. And I assume that website then is editmicro.co.za. Yes, that's correct. Yes, great. I I actually just had a a, a momentary hmm when Gerard um, was explaining about where the name Edit comes from. I've been working with your company now for several years on and off. Well, I've had contact with you and I never realized it was for education IT. But now that Gerard mentions it, it's so obvious. <laughs> we, we're so happy to educate. That was... <laughs> Okay, thank you. And I'm, I'm sure that you will have some, some contact from people through this. A final question then. What advice would you, as an individual, give to someone who is differently abled, who is wanting to travel, but is nervous about doing so? Prepare. Oh, prepare. <laughs> prepare. So you're going to a little more detail than that, Herat? Yeah, sure. Do your homework beforehand. Um, talk to your the, the people you're going to visit. You know, the, the whether it's for work, um, the, the the hosting or conference venue, or the BNB. Um, tell them what your needs are and and be open about it. And, and uh, I'm sure you'll find that they will be more you know more than accommodating at least that's that's my experience over the last seven years that i've been traveling for work um there's been lots of help out there so i think that's quite important do your do your preparation and then make sure that as a blind person always have a backup cane um (laughs) i can only take one guide dog with me (laughs) (laughs) maybe they should have you let you have two yeah no (laughs) great thank you Zoe, from your side. Um, I would say, you know, I, I mean, here it's highlighted, you know, be prepared. Also, um, if you are feeling a little bit anxious, um, reach out and ask somebody. You know, find out if you know somebody else who's in your position, who has, who does do a lot of traveling, even if it's not exactly your position, um, reach out and ask. Um, if it's not, if you don't know somebody personally who sits with a different ability, um, try reaching out to, if you have other, I'm going to say like 
therapists or professionals that you've worked with, ask them what, what questions you might need, or maybe they can give you a little bit of a boost in confidence in terms of contacting the, um, as, as Carol said, they, whether it's the, um, the bus uh, service, whether it's the airline, whether it's the hotel, um, they might be able to facilitate and give you just a little bit of a confidence boost in that way. Um, from the millennial aspect, I'm going to say uh, the, the World Wide Web is an amazing place for information. So if all else fails, uh, Google. Because what you'll usually find is, is that there's a lot of people, if you don't personally know people with different abilities who are traveling frequently, the chances are there are a lot of people out there on the internet that do. So you can pull a lot of information just by literally Googling um, or typing in on Facebook your specific different need or ability. And usually there's a group with a lot of people who are quite happy to provide their own experience. Um, so I would I would look to that. Um, yeah, your professionals and then obviously your family and, and support structure. Great. Thanks, Zoe. Delian, from your side. Well, listen to Lewis's podcast and tune <laughs> into the Travel Tech Corner. You you will find an answer or a solution somewhere, or maybe um, post a question and mm, mm. you'll find an answer. Yes. Mm. So podcast people. <laughs> thank you. I, I, I enjoy that one. But I really, I want to say thank you to all three of you for joining us on the podcast today. I think it's been a really interesting conversation and I'm sure is going to provide some very useful insights to others who do listen and get an idea about travel and accessibility. So thank you all for joining us. It's been really great to have you on the Accessible South Africa Travel Podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks, Lewis. Thank you, Lewis. And we look forward to sharing more information with you next time. I really enjoyed chatting to Dalian, Zoe and Gerard from Edit Microsystems. And you'll need to stay tuned in to our future episodes to find out more about the Travel Tech Corner. But now, it's time for our service provider spotlight. Are you a wheelchair user with a competitive spirit? Then maybe you might consider taking part in this year's annual Otaniqua Wheelchair Challenge. This is an event that takes place in the picturesque town of George on the Garden Route at the foot of the beautiful Otaniqua Mountains, where participants race in wheelchairs with adapted cycles or hand cycles to see who will be the winner of the challenge. This year, the event takes place on the 14th of September, 2019, starting at 1.30 p.m. And if you're keen to enter, or if you just would like to find out a little bit more about the event, hop on to the Accessible South Africa website on www.accessiblesouthafrica.co.za and there you can find all the details and the phone number for the organisers. If you choose to enter, we wish you the best of luck. That's it from me, your host, Lois Strachan, for this time. Until the next time we meet, I wish you happy travels. That's it from us for this time. You can find Accessible South Africa on the web at accessiblesouthafrica.co.za 
or on Facebook and Instagram at Accessible South Africa or on Twitter at Accessible SA. You can also email us at podcast at accessiblesouthafrica.co.za. Editing by Deirdre Gower. Our theme music is by Louis Chichao, based on a motif by Lois Strachan. Credits read by Andre Latoy, the big positive guy. Thanks for joining us on Accessible South Africa Travel Podcast. We'll see you next time. And until then, happy travels. Happy travels.